Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to the end of our journey with Willow. The spoiler review finale here from the Geek Buddies. Huh? Hey! hey, we're jumping into this one here. The Children of the Worm. This is the end of season one. Season one, maybe there's a season two of Willow here on Disney Plus. The much anticipated series. From so many people, especially uh, our comrade here, Michael Vogel, who's a massive fan of the Willow movie. And everyone was looking forward to seeing what we got here. And everything was leading into this finale. We end up here at Immemorial City with the crone taking on Alora Dannon, Kit wearing the Chimerian colors. All this stuff happening. Borman being bisexual. Graydon coming into his own as a wizard. And Willow for, showing for up seconds. with the crystal. Seconds. <laughs> exactly. So, so much to get into here as we talk about it on this uh, uh, on this spoiler review. We appreciate it madly. But let's introduce Great ourselves. Done. <laughs> uh, I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vocal. I'm Vocal. I'm Michael Vocal. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you're going to get to see me next month on the season premiere of Party Down. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if we're going to review it on the channel. That could be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so let's uh, uh, let's get into the situation here. Uh, for those of you who've been uh, watching, oh yeah, and a big shout out to uh, Carbon Health who continues to power and sponsor us on the Geek Buddies. We appreciate them madly. Nor- Lord knows a lot of people on this show could have used some Carbon Health after the battles that we got here on the show, especially the Crone. Come on, Crone. Head on over and see somebody at Carbon Health, for God's sake. Ray, well done. <laughs> oh, n- no. No, not in the opening two minutes of the show. No. Um, Go to CarbonHealth.com. Go get checked out today or download the app to have a dock in your pocket. 100 plus locations all over the country. 80 plus locations in California alone. And I don't know if they've got one in Immemorial City, but I feel like they can use one. Um, All right, uh, gentlemen, let's start off with this. We'd like to start with our general thoughts. Uh, Mike Vogel, you uh, kick this off, man. Children of the Worm, overall thoughts on this finale uh, for this first season of Willow. What a journey. <laughs> what a journey it has been. Uh, it, man, this show. I watched this finale and I just sort of marveled at the absolute mess 
that we ended on. Like, like just, just a mess of a show. But not, but, but, and yet, and yet, yes. there is just this, and I'm sure not for everybody, there, this show has a charm. And yeah. I think we said it last week too. This show wants to be so good. Yeah. And everyone feels like they're really excited about making this show. And there is this sort of very um, just light and fluffy energy that kind of flies through this show. And you kind of are like, all right, I'm kind of charmed, but holy crap, like what is, like I defy anybody to tell me what Willow's arc is in a show called Willow. Like, I don't know where we ended up with it. But I also will say, and I mean, we'll get into this when we talk about it further. Yep. One of the things, when a show is a little uneven, you know, one week one week we had Bone Reavers who were killing uh, the father figure, and the next week the Bone Reavers were handing out uh, fruit drugs to everybody and partying. We nice. had trolls that had English accents. Like, we were just, one week Willow couldn't do magic. The next week he was just rocking and rolling with that wizard staff. Like, so just with so many things going on, you kind of, sometimes when you get to the end of a show... And you watch where every all the characters end up, it makes it easier to go back and kind of go, oh, I think I see what you were trying to do. And when you're doing like a postmortem on a season, it's easier to go back and go, oh, maybe you shouldn't have done this. Maybe you should have done this because it's easy to see when a character where a character ends, you go, okay, well, that's what you were aiming for. Okay, so Kit is the fuck-up sister who's supposed to face her brother. Okay, cool. I have some notes on maybe what you want to do with the brother. Okay, so Willow does step up at the end, and he's there for Laura Dannon. All right, well, then let's go back and dismantle what Willow should have done. You know, like, so you kind of go back through all the characters, and you see, okay, this is where they should have been. So it, it's been an interesting ride. It hasn't been an unpleasant ride, but boy, it's been a head-scratcher. Yeah, I think I agree with you. There's such great energy from the actors on this show. They really are committed to bringing these characters to life. Uh, they're committed to wanting to do a good job. I think the writers and the directors and the people working on the special effects and the production all want to put out a really good, iconic show. Unfortunately, some of the writing is incongruent. Some of the stuff doesn't make sense. Some of the storylines are conveniently massaged in certain moments to hit critical beats. These are the things that kind of throw you off as you're watching it. But the whole time, I'm like, you know, I just catch the ball. I just want you to catch. I feel like Steve Martin in Parenthood. Just catch the ball one time, and I'll be very excited for you. But I'm cheering for you still because I like what you're trying to do, but I'm not 100% uh, loving what you're doing for sure. Shannon, what are your thoughts overall on this finale uh, as we wrap up season one? I mean, you know, we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Um, th there are some great moments. Um, but there is a situation, and, and Vogel has talked about this a lot with animated films, where, you know, the train leaves the station where you've decided you're going to make this show. And then as you're getting into the nitty gritty of some of the writing, you're like, wait, what are we doing with this again? And at that point, it's kind of too late to turn it around. You kind of just have to make you have to make the best of the situation that you've created. And, and I think in terms of the character arcs, that that is what happened is they broad strokes knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. And when they got into the nitty gritty and as you're writing, you know, 
pre-production is happening. I mean, my guess is, you know, these scripts were probably being rewritten, you know, day to day to day to day, which is which is not unusual. I mean, that is that is a normal thing. Um, but you know, it's, it's those character arcs. It's those situations like, well, we thought maybe Eric didn't need to come in earlier. We thought it was good. Maybe we should have brought him in. You know, there's a lot that you, you know, uh, hindsight is 2020 a lot of the times. Um, But there are some really wonderful moments. I mean, my, my big issue with one of the past episodes is when um, Christian Slater grabbed the Chimerian Curus, um, I wasn't sure it was it because there was just so little fanfare around it. And it's like, okay, you kind of get it. Like it wasn't supposed to work until it got the kit, but you still have to make that a moment. The moment that she finally, you know, kind of switches it on. That was a great moment. That was yeah. a great, like uh, on, on par with like the first time we see a, an Autobot transform in the first Transformers movie, that kind of spin around. Shot. I mean, there was, there was some great, great stuff. Um, but by the end, even, it's like, okay, so there's not a ton of resolution here. I mean, you know, there, you know, we don't Will never sees his daughter again. <laughs> right. And then we find out, oh, okay, so in this kind of darker future, Alora's actually the bad guy, and that's what the second season's gonna be about. There's uh, just a lot or, is that, or was that the worm just I trying to trick the, Graydon? Yeah, I think that was the worm at the end there with Graydon. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it was supposed to be her. Okay. I, I think he's seen the future that just like how Willow had that vision of like that. Uh, it was it was the same sort of setting. Right. So that was my guess is that uh, I mean, maybe it was the worm taking over hey, Laura with this show with this show. It could be both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I think I think that makes sense because it, it felt to me at the end there like it was Palpatine Ray all over again. And we know that Ray ends up being connected to Palpatine. So it could be possible that by the end, because of the exchanges, they're lip to lip or mouth to mouth uh, that a little bit of the worm or the crone could have gotten inside her again and, and maybe corrupting her from the inside out without her knowing it, especially that obviously, last shot of her turning back. You know what I'm saying? So it's possible. Obviously the worm is a Laura Dannon's grandfather. <laughs> and she is a clone of the worm. Obviously. obviously. I mean, come on. The worm is eternal, bitch. All right. Anyway, let's, uh, let's, get, into, let's get into the opening sections of the show here. I, I'm basically going to split this episode into two parts. Uh, and then we're going to discuss it, basically. So let's start off here. Eric greets Alora and Kit, uh, and the Gales just happen to be hanging out there in the background uh, here at Immemorial City. Kit is trying to get Eric to understand that he is being uh, um, uh, tricked and manipulated by the crone. And we're seeing the spin-around camera and Michael Bay move here with all these conflicting philosophies going on. Uh, but then we go back to the, about what's going on with the crone and these uh, nice little funny shots between both of them uh, um, there with uh, with Kit and with Alora. We go back to the waterfall and Borman, Graydon, and Jade get a final goodbye and a sweet word from Willow. Borman, before it gets too emotional, and then they all jump off their waterfall there to try to get to Immemorial City because, of course, it's a leap of faith. Then Willow essentially saying goodbye to them goes back to his daughter and i wrote here what the hell he's gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna go into land of milk and honey he's moses oh son of a so that's what i said at the time uh, the crone the crone gives Alora and kit the pitch convinces them that they need to walk into this shining opening here that she's got behind her borman jade and Graydon get to the immemorial city and after some weird joke about making out with each other they decided to disguise themselves to get into the city 
Kit and Alora do eventually walk into the light, and we get it. We go into this dream sequence with Queen Sorsha there to greet them. Alora is taken by Eric to their wedding. Kit and Sorsha talk about how Sorsha didn't treat her better as a daughter uh, and uh, tells her that she can have the life that she wants. We see a dream sequence, Jade standing there. Uh, so this idea that she could go off with Jade and live happily ever after and just staring at the liquid and moving in the cup there. If you just drink the liquid, you can have it all. Uh, but then, just as she's maybe considering it for a little bit longer than she stood, Mad Mardigan's voice shows up. Shout out again to Val Kilmer's son voicing there. Chimes in and says, you're better than me. You've got to make the difference here. You've got to break out of this thing. So Kip breaks out of the spell, tries to go find Alora, but Alora is gone. Lily is there instead, a.k.a. the crone, and she tells her she's too late and that she is disappointed in her making this decision and that she can't save uh, uh, Alora anymore and then turns her to stone. Also, Borman, Kit, uh, sorry, Borman Jade and uh, Graydon have been turned into stone outside of the castle where they were trying to get in uh eric and alora are about to get married we see this beautiful sequence alora's wearing a beautiful wedding dress i will say that eric looks very nice here alora walks up into this they have a exchange it all feels weird and creepy and then alora breaks the spell which i think we all knew she was going to do uh and uh, lily uh, the, uh, tries to talk her out of it with some weak ass logic, as I wrote here. And then Willow shows up out of nowhere and drops a spell that shatters the the crone's hold on everything, and a battle ensues. So let's stop there, Mikey. A lot going on here in this intro, but really leading to that wedding and the possible union here of Eric and Alora that is broken up by Alora herself as she's coming into her power more and more as this goes along. Probably planned this whole thing out to do this, but then Willow showing up out of nowhere. Very interesting. So what do you think about this whole intro, this whole half of this episode here? Okay, 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 okay. Um, all right, so first of all, first of all, like, again, like I will to Shannon's point, yeah. you watch this show and you get to these sequences and you're like, man, this should be great. I see what you're going for. Yeah. So, like, for example, Kit and Alora, like, they've they've been at odds, as we talked about last week. The entire Kit-Alora arc was very rocky. But let's just assume, you know, okay, so, like, Kit was very jealous of Alora. Alora didn't quite take to Kit. They had a rocky relationship on this journey, but now they, they did this leap of faith together. They're both coming to save Eric. Eric is not what they expected when they get there. And yeah. then the Gales show up behind them. And you have this thing where... Okay, they're trying to convince Eric that he's got to go with them, but the gales are coming in behind them, and they're both sort of spinning, and Alora's kind of keeping them off with magic and while Kit is talking to Eric. But then Alora comes around to try and, like, appeal to Eric as the kind of girlfriend while Kit kind of faces off against the gales. But they just sort of spin in a circle because the gales aren't doing shit. Like, yeah. like the yeah. idea of oh, okay, so you've got your magic chick and your warrior chick and the bad guys that we've been facing all season are now here at their back, but, like, Eric isn't moving and, God, we, have, we really gotta go. Okay, well, hold on, these guys. Like, there's a way that this whole thing should have played yeah. that would have been really fun and dynamic. But they just sort of kept spinning in a circle motivated by the director telling them to spin in a circle, as yeah. far as I can tell. Like, there was no need for them to keep doing this, so you're watching it and you're like, ah. <sighs> This, this is a very good idea. This is a very good idea. Also, let's just take a moment to talk about the Gales. Please. The fuck? <laughs> like, four, four very, very cool characters, designed really great, 
supposed to be these representatives of the crone that are on our hero's heels for this whole journey right. that did, as far as I can see, nothing and then got defeated off screen later? Like, like what? Like, like they just, they served literally no purpose. And when you have characters that are that cool, like you wanted to see that moment where our heroes really faced off against them and like the Gales really got to show their stuff and everybody stepped up and you got that and you just didn't get it. So, um, and then look, and even the stuff with Eric kind of, okay, so Eric has now been uh, convinced by the crone and he kind of lures them in. So they go in, you go into this whole dream sequence and I'm like, cool, I get it. It's the villain. This is a tale as old as time. It's like, you know, it's Tim Curry and legend. It's every, let me bring you into this fantasy and tell you what I'm going to give you and everything is going to work out. And again, we see, okay, so Kit gets this resolution with Sorsha. Allure is going to get, everyone's getting what they want. Um, but then the Mad Mardigan voice comes in, and this one really threw me... The Mad Mardigan stuff in this, and look, I get that they were a little bit challenged because of Val Kilmer and where he is in real His life. Condition, so yeah. you can't really have that Mad Mardigan show up. But So Mad Mardigan disappeared through a portal to fight the worm, is what I think we got from the yeah. last episode, last couple episodes. And then while, she's, while Kit goes through this portal, he can now reach out to her, I guess. Yeah. But he goes... He starts off, and this is just one of those writing things where you're like, don't... He goes, Kit, I need your I need your help. You go, okay, Mad Mardigan needs her help. And then he goes, You can do this. <laughs> what help did you need? Yeah. Where, <laughs> what? What? So it's like, it's again, it's one of those things where it's just, it's a little bit sloppy. It's like, if Mad Mardigan has just sort of, Kit, I'm you know, I, okay, I don't I don't have long, but I have to tell you this. Like, you are everything you need to be. Like, I, you know, I I I left because I knew that you would be the one. Like, would have been great. There was a way to do it, and it was just a little bit sloppy. And even leading up to the moment where Alora Dannon um, kind of says, "No, there was this. There's this great moment where the crone like made the deal with Alora, and she accepted the deal. And Alora says to Kit, "Hey, she accepted the deal." And then Alora's there, and then Alora's like, "I don't want to do this." And the crone's like, "You have to because." And in typical fairy tale magic, like you drank the drink, you did the thing, so now you are mine. And Alora Dannon is like, "I don't have to do anything. I don't want to do." And that could have been an amazing moment. Yep. There's this idea of our char- our female lead character is owning her own identity and stepping forward and saying, I don't have to do anything. I am powerful in my own right and you can't control me. And that's a really powerful idea. So I understand, like I'm scrolling through Twitter and people are like, I, I loved it. I don't care. I'm super into the show. And it's because of moments like that that you're like, that's a good moment. It's not quite there yet. And then Willow showing up, as we have said, like, so the character that Sorsha, one of our legacy characters in the second episode, says you're not a great sorcerer. And then we make a really big deal out of how he can't even use magic to help them fix their wagon wheel because it will be too much of a strain on his poor Nelwyn body. (laughs) And then we reveal, which if you saw the movie, you know that he didn't really use amazing magic to stop Bavmorda. He used his old disappearing pig trick. And then he just shows up at the end, breaks the crone spell, frees everybody from stone, and is ready to fucking rock and roll. And I'm just like, what are the rules of magic when it comes to Willow? Please explain to me what your choices were, because I am truly baffled as to what he can or can't do and when he can and can't do it, like if he had come in and done all of that and collapsed and then a Laura Dannon had to give him some magical CPR 
and you were like, and he was like, and like they realized they could have done that all along, and you had a really cute moment, and he's like, oh, I guess I could have fixed that wagon wheel, and she's like, well, I guess I could have known, you know, like there's there's ways you could have gotten everything you wanted, but boy, it was just, it is as even as we talk about it, like it's it's a mess. But it's a mess that has really good things in it. It's like right. it's like you're you're looking at this giant pile. I don't even want to say garbage. It's like you go to a thrift store and there's a giant pile of shirts, and you're like, "This is a fucking mess." But in there, there's some really good clothes, and you're like, "Okay, well, I found some good stuff. I just wish it had all been presented nicer." <laughs> yeah, to me, it's I, I, obviously I'm going to make a sports connection. To me, it's like you're watching a great player, but keeps making these mistakes in between these great plays and you're like if you just stop making the mistakes you'd be really great but yeah that kind of situation as well plus yeah i mean look i'm all for female empowerment i certainly i get a lot of shit i get called john woka all the time fine fuck off but like when it it i want that on a t-shirt yeah sure but when it works i love it i champion it when it's forced i have issues and when it's forced it's because the build-up wasn't done correctly or wasn't really well laid out so that when that empowerment moment hits it's like fuck yeah because we've seen male empowerment moments in films for decades so the female empowerment moments like get get, take your hands off her you bitch like those moments work because you've built to those moments so well here her standing there i don't have to do anything you don't want it all of it is so weak because they all look weak in the whole process so it doesn't 100 percent land the way it should and it's so frustrating when you see that because i'm all for it but i'm not all for it when it's done clumsily shannon your thoughts here on the opening section here up until the battle ensues uh in this episode of willow yeah i mean to use vogel's thrift store analogy i mean i was kind of looking at it as you you can be in this great kitchen where you have all these fantastic ingredients and everything here is good you can't just slam everything together. You have to pick the things that go with each other. Yeah. And, and, and I think from the beginning, the show has tried to do, has attempted to do that um, uh, Marvel tone where you want high stakes, you want excitement, but you also want those moments of levity. And, you know, people give a lot of crap to marvel because you know we're almost 30 movies in and and the 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 tone might be getting a little tired for some people but what they are able to do it's not easy like it 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 is kind of a balancing act so you you know the further we've gone along i mean i know i've i've kind of been uh, a little harsh on some of the performances um the further we get along i'm like some of these actors have really come into their own in these characters um I was not a fan of Ellie Bamber from the beginning. I wasn't a fan of Ruby Cruz. Um, by the end, I think they really found, they they discovered what they were doing. Yeah. And some of their more comedic moments, uh, I'm, I'm now kind of shifting the blame towards the writing. Like you, you know, you, you, as you said, John, you have to lay the foundation. Yeah. And it just, stuff just didn't quite come together. I mean, the whole moment between, uh, uh, with Eric, Alora and Kit that that you know kind of you know the 360 move that they're doing that's funny like like on paper right. like that's a funny thing like that that looks funny it's humorous um the moment that Alora tells Kit you're doing really good like that's a funny that's a funny line yeah. and I think had their relationship been a little more clear throughout the series it would have landed even better like not only is it funny but there's there's a weight behind it there's heart behind it um and, and to the Gales, I mean, I think I think the show has had a bad guy problem in that who's the bad guy? 
I mean, it's yeah. like we've got the four that we see that are chasing after, but we figure they're kind of lackeys. Um, we hear about the withered chrome, then we hear about the worm. It's like, so who is it? Like who who who's a bad guy? <laughs> and the whole thing with the gales because they were designed. I mean, it's it's a really great design on all four of them. Yeah. It would have been great to have gotten a little bit of a backstory. Like, who were they? Like, they fell under the spell of the crone as well. Like, there there's sort of untapped potential. And maybe you don't get into the worm until season two. Maybe we focus it a little bit more. Because I think that's another issue that the show has. It's just a little unfocused. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time... I mean, I, I do think uh, Amar uh, Chata Patel... He's had some great comic moments throughout this. I mean, the moment that he throws dust on his face, camouflage. <laughs> and as they're behind that rock and he stands up and you see this cloud of dust, like that's a really well, it's a very, very funny he, moment. Uh, I mean, it's just, there are parts that are really well done. And the whole goodbye with Willow to Graydon, where he's like, you're going to be a great sorcerer. It's like, right. When did he... <laughs> Like, we we get it, but there really wasn't that moment. Like, I, I think Graydon's arc is another thing that could have been improved. like, yeah. maybe he experimented with magic, and that's how his brother died. Right. And mm-hmm. now right. this whole time has been about him trying to him trying to push down this natural talent that he has right. because of, the, you know, this tragedy that occurred. And Willow helping him to be like, and, and that line makes a, a lot more sense. Like, you're going to be a great sorcerer. And you're going to be an even better man. Like, ah, oh, like that could have been yeah. so great. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, again, I won't say solid setup. It was a setup um, with, with some good moments. I mean, the show can be a little frustrating because you can see as, as you both have said, you can see what they're going for. They just don't quite get there. It just get a lot of times, yeah. a lot of times with writing, uh, and, and every writer does this. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it in my own writing. Shannon is guilty of it. I have read his stuff, but like every writer does it. We <laughs> we you 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 have a ton of you have a ton of ideas, and you kind of put it all out on paper. And a lot of times, it's not that your ideas are bad. You have to sort of get rid of stuff. It's like it's sort of like you put a big lump of clay there. And you have to get rid of all the extra pieces to find that perfect sculpture that's underneath. And like I said, Graydon is a perfect example of what I was saying earlier on about you get to the end and you go, okay, Willow says you're going to be a great sorcerer. So him, you being able to use magic is important. And he gets sort of, it looks like he's wiped away. This is the thing that kicks Alora off to being, to using her emotion because she clearly cared about him. And then at the end, we reveal that he is either being used by the worm or is having a vision of him helping a dark Alora or whatever. So then you go backtrack everything and you're like, okay, well, so then maybe what we really just should have established is that Graydon's father wanted him to be a great warrior and really manly and really masculine and just great with a sword. And Graydon was never that, but he always had an affinity for magic. And whenever he used it, bad stuff happened and okay now i'm understanding this so he doesn't want to use magic he wants to be this great warrior and he's trying to be really macho at the beginning and alora doesn't like him but then as he becomes more sensitive through the season and leans into his magic alora really does like him but now maybe he's going to be like like there's a way that you could sort of be like okay i now understand what you wanted to do let's go back and tweak every other thing 
Yeah, absolutely. Like Regilvel Johnson and Die Hard, right? You know what happened with him and the kid at the beginning. So by the end, when he uses the gun to kill Alexander Gudinov, you yeah. understand why and the importance and the power of that moment because you've done a great job of laying the groundwork for it and leading up to it. 100%. Well, and Reginald Bell Johnson is a great, so like just as a writing thing, because I think yeah. a lot of times writers, and if anybody's listening to this and you are a writer or you're working on your own like fiction, yeah, fanfic stuff, fantasy stuff, you want to be a professional writer, you always think things need to be, because when we see something on screen and it really works, it feels very complex yeah. and it feels very complicated. But the Reginald Bell Johnson is the perfect example of how really good writing works. Yeah. Yeah, hey man, why do you work? Why, why, uh, you know, why, why, why do you sound like you're working behind a desk? Well, I killed a kid, I shot a kid once. Shot a kid. Shot, I shot a kid. Never gonna do it again. Never gonna shoot again. Get to the end of the movie. He shoots to save Bruce Willis. Right. That's this. It's the setup and the resolution, and it's super simple and it's effective because as an audience, you go, got it. Mm-hmm. And Willow is guilty of. I have a lot of great ideas about Graydon and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to be a little mysterious about it and I don't want you to know. And then he's doing, and like, and there's so many things that as an audience you go, okay, I I think, I don't know. I think the moment, uh, I think the only reason that moment somewhat works is because of Tony Revolori's performance. Uh, That's the only reason. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because they laid the groundwork so well. Uh, Another part of this, and before we move on, I want to have my, uh, get on my soapbox a little bit of this. The Eric situation is supremely frustrating. I just supremely fun. I get it. You want two female leads to have their empowering moment. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, I support it. But you've still got to build up the male lead or your the other male, um, not lead, but the other male character that you're trying to get to and you're trying to save as they get to this empowerment. We needed more time other than him wandering around the city. And the stuff with Lily should have occurred way earlier than it does. And we needed to go back in time. We needed to see flashbacks of him talking with his mom, of him talking with Kit, of him talking with the spirit of his father and his mind or something. Something so you lay a little more flesh out more of Eric because with that moment, and we're going to get to it when Jay, when he goes, I want to be king. And Jay's like, all right, conversation over. You know, no man's going to be king over my girl. That's that's a, such a stupid moment because you haven't done anything to build well, to that moment where it could have been really empowering. And you understand the tragedy of that moment and what's going on here for Eric. And I think for me, they really did a disservice to that character. And look, I get it. There have been a lot of fleshed out male characters and a lot of undercooked female characters. But if we're going to go forward flesh out everybody so that we have a much more satisfying overall product that we can enjoy. But again, so I I agree with you, but I agree with you, but uh, it's like the Reginald Bell Johnson thing. It's not necessarily that you needed a bunch more. I I mean, I do agree that we should have, Lily should have come in earlier and we should have tracked what was going on with Eric. But again, I think there was just, the, the solution is less in adding, it's not adding more, it's more in simplicity. I think the biggest mistake that they made I think the biggest mistake that they made is, look, we get this whole flashback about the Chimerian Curas and how it was these two siblings that fought. There was the one kid who was going to be king and the other kid who who was not going to be king and they and he fought and then the mom made the Chimerian Curas and there was this whole legend. Right. Now here we are, we have two kids and they made the choice right off the bat that Eric is kind of a fuck up. Like, mm-hmm. like Kit is trying really hard to prove things, but, but Eric is off like making out with Dove and he's kind of like, whatever. Not taking it seriously. Yeah, exactly. For both Kit's arc and Eric's arc, now that you get to the end and you look back at it, if Kit always was trying to prove herself and Eric was the prince who was just the perfect prince, right? everybody thought he was great. He just assumed he was going to be king. He did everything Sorsha wanted. He was a badass. Everybody's like, Eric is the greatest. 
And then he gets taken all the way off to the to the place and Lily corrupts him. And then you get to the end and he's like, I'm going to be king. I'm the better child. I'm the this, I'm that. And Kit is the one who rises up and has to face him. Yeah. And now the, 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 the child who was the fuck up becomes the hero. And the child that everybody thought was going to be the chosen one was the one that was corrupted. You're like, okay, you know yeah. what? That's a great story. Yeah. But because they didn't want to do that with Eric, you just kind of get to the end and you're like, wait, you want to be king now? Or is that the worm talking? Or like, where, yeah, where, where are we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Ferris Bueller and Janie is a great thing to look into when you have a great example like that. That's a, that's a great thing. All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, we're going to jump into the back half of the show right after this. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. I like that. It's a good one. Um, all right, let's move on here. We cut back to Jade Borman and Graven, Graven, who are broken out of their stone uh, construction or whatever, as is Kit, who was uh, turned to stone, of course, by uh, Lily there at the wedding area. Alora shoots at the crone, but Eric jumps in the way, which shoots him backwards. The crown versus Alora. This now happens as the crone talks about the worm being eternal. Uh, uh, you know, female dog. Graydon shows up to help with Chilindra's stick or wand there. Things are going well for Graydon until they aren't. And she banishes him into that uh, that area of light there and possibly kills him. We don't know just yet. Alora suddenly has her purpose, which is what the crone was kind of beating her over the head about. That You don't have the desire. You don't have the want. You don't have the impetus to beat me. That's why you're not going to beat me. Well, possibly killing Graydon all of a sudden gives Alora this motivation and this purpose. She jettisons the crone out of the castle. Cue electric guitar. Then Willow and Alora have a moment. <laughs> of, I heard it. I heard it. Willow and Alora have a moment of how he belongs next to her and apparently is going to kill the Gales. And I'm like, wait, you could have killed the Gales the whole fucking time? Anyway, Kit, Jade, and Borman, um, uh, we see, we cut back to them. And, uh, uh, Borman gives Kit the Chimerian caress and that she just needs to believe in herself. And then Borman heads off to the fight. Then we get Alora versus the Chrome part two. Eric runs up and battles Jade and Kit. And I said, female empowerment moment here, as we said, uh, and talks about being king and all of that. Willow talks to Alora and tells her, as Alora is a bit overwhelmed by the situation with, um, with the Chrome, tells her to let go of the fear and embrace your defeats and victories, which is the final piece of motivation. I had shades of, I mean, look, Jonathan Kasdan wrote solo. I had shades of um, uh, Yoda talking to Luke in uh, in The Last Jedi about failures uh, teach as much as, as victories. Anyway, Eric gets the best of Jade, but Kit saves her. Eric sees Alora killing the crone, and it looks to me like Palpatine versus Rey back and forth in that, or Harry versus Voldemort there, as we've seen before. And then Alora kills her, we think, as she turns back to Lily, she gives him the desire to rule to be king. That's what happens here with Eric because Alora kills her. Or I mean, Alora kills her, and then Eric runs over and she gives him the desire to rule to be king. When she kisses him, everyone else sees a crone kissing him. He sees Lily kissing him. The Chimerian caress. We finally see it in its full power on Kit, and it's Kit versus Eric. And just as she's about to kill Eric after she bests him, 
while Laura tells her to wait. And while Eric is lying there, they have a conversation about love and whatever. Willow walks up and shatters his staff to give Kit the crystal so she can talk to him and it, and get him to come to her. And it works. And then we see Borman uh, made it out of that fight and says that he needs his mom. And they discuss if they should kill the worm as they're walking away. But Willow says it's pissed off and it'll come after them when it's ready. But they shouldn't do anything about it because more people will join them like a snowball rolling downhill, a.k.a. season two. And we end with Graydon waking up amongst a sea of dead bodies in that light area. Alora is there with a new haircut. Is that the crone? Is that the worm? Is that Alora in the future? And wants him to be by her side. And that is the end of the episode. Shannon, I go to you because there's a lot of action here. Your thoughts on the action, your thoughts on the storylines that are developing through this back half of the episode leading to that moment with Graydon and Laura and uh, the sea of dead bodies. I mean, the action is something that they actually did very well. <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was very dynamic um, because of the performance of Tony Revolori, despite Graydon's sort of muddled arc, the moments where he gets that wand and he does that spell like that's yeah. a great freaking moment. I mean you see someone who has who has come into his own power and it was just so again in 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 this sort of you know muddled muddled mess of an episode that was a moment that it was just like yes oh my gosh that was a great moment how great would it have been if everything lined up for it but then the moment where the crone seemingly obliterates him gray well done um Oh my god. The the reactions from from the rest of the cast really great. I mean again, this is I I I'm not going to put this on the level of, you know, Gandalf and Fellowship falling into the falling in the mines, but that was what they were going for. And that yeah. is something with the performances that they got. You saw the shock on Willow and Alora's face with uh with Borman, like the like, you know, this kind of macho but kind of ridiculous dude. The 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 sadness followed by the rage like that was all oh, like this is all done really really well i imagine this was probably written really really well this particular yeah. sequence um but then you know because we didn't have that foundation to support it it doesn't it doesn't quite get there um the, the rest of the action was fun i mean i thought uh kit putting on the curious even though borman's like this isn't my story it's like eh okay <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a wonky but but the moment where kit does finally put on the chimerian curious again really really great moment and yeah. a really cool design that you have this this armor sort of telescope out from this breastplate all really fun um when alora does finally uh well i also when willow gets in her head and calls it it's me dummy it's like it's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is just not the guy that we met in the movie and like that's fine like people change but this is just so this is this is warwick davis after he's been working with ricky gervais yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's a, it's a different it's a different guy but watching alora just again eviscerate the crone a lot of fun very very cool i do think ellie bamber does a really good job here um and then that moment where uh eric kind of kind of you know takes in the crone's essence we find out he's the harbinger of of the worm i think uh that whole that whole battle you know that it it was it was well shot it was well done as <laughs> yeah i feel like the the gales are also just kind of gone <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll kill them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently, <laughs> like, like, there's some stuff even in the in the recap that I'm like, when did that happen? 
<laughs> but I'm like, okay. <laughs> but then as they're leaving, I'm kind of like, well, we're going to see Sorsha again. Like, we're going to see Willow get back to Mims. It's like, oh, no? Oh, okay. So that, that was all season two. Yeah. And then when we get the, you know, pseudo post-credit sequence or the 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 feeling of a pseudo post-credit sequence with tony revelori and seeing that wherever he is wh whether alora is the worm or this is a vision or whatever like i, I love that we see the you know the two-headed kind of hydra dragon that we mm. saw from the movie like there was a lot of fun stuff but it was the, the feeling i got was I, I don't think they're gonna get a season two that's my guess where they will have the opportunity to fix uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the mistakes that were made um but as you guys both said like this there there is a charm to the show if it is connecting with some people fantastic yeah. if it brings people back to that old movie and you can see a great performance from Val Kilmer an actor that we don't get to see anymore awesome um I, i'm i'm glad we've reached the end <laughs> the end of this journey with willow though fair enough michael your thoughts on this back half of the episode here and what it leads to in that uh, post-credit scene, in essence. I mean, Shannon's right. There's a lot of really, really nice moments. Uh, Kit putting on the Chimerian Kuras, for sure, is a great moment. Absolutely. But I just sat there watching all of this stuff go down, and I was like, well, this is why it's important to have a MacGuffin. <laughs> um, because... A MacGuffin is, in case you don't know, it's like, it's the thing that, like, all everyone need. You, oh, well, we've got to do this to save the day. We've got, or we've got to find this object, or we've got to find this thing. And you get to the end, and you realize that, like, when when you're just like, well, the crone wants to kill Laura Dannon, so we got to go kill the crone. You get to the end, and you really just have a bunch of people fighting. Yeah. But there's not anything that allows you to sort of choreograph the the story of the action around. Um, so like, I mean, using a very easy example, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet in Endgame. Mm. Like, Endgame is one of the biggest, most epic action sequences I think we've had in modern cinema. I mean, it's literally every character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe fighting Thanos, uh, and all of his minions. But, because everybody is focused on the Infinity Gauntlet, it's really easy to say, okay, so now Spidey has the gauntlet. Oh, he tosses it to T'Challa. Okay, T'Challa's got it over here. Okay, Captain Marvel's coming in. Oh, Steve Rogers says, we've got to get the gauntlet out of here. Let's send Ant-Man and the Wasp to open up the portal. Oh, now Thanos is going to stop. So like, even though you have a thousand characters, there is a very clear goal, which is keep it basically keep away. Yeah. Let's just keep this gauntlet away from Thanos. And... That allows the director, it allows the story, the writers, the directors, everybody to basically build an action sequence where the audience understands what everyone is doing and what is at stake. And so if there had been, when we get to the uh, Immemorial City, we have to do X before the sun sets because once the sun sets the worm will be released mm. whatever i don't care what yeah, it is sure. but if that was the goal then you don't have to all of a sudden have everyone turn to stone or willow kill the gales off screen or whatever because you're not really like there is a clear we are doing this and then willow shows up okay borman kit jade you guys need to keep the gales busy uh alora and i have to do this magical thing Alora and that you know like and then all and then all the stuff that they did which as Shannon said looks great 
makes more sense and there's more at stake. We know that Alora needs to face off against the crone and needs to get the crone push her back to this space so that she'll be banished or get her to let go of the thing so Willow can grab it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, again, it, it the, the the great thing about MacGuffins and those things is it doesn't really matter what it is yeah. because all that you're really doing is creating something to allow all your characters to do all the awesome action so that you can have these emotional moments. And what Willow did is it had a bunch of characters running around. It shot all the action really well. But the emotional moments didn't really land as well as they needed to yeah. because you didn't really know what anybody was doing. Yeah. And there are lapses in logic. Like, you shoot the crone, you blow her chest cavity out, she falls, but then you still let her have a moment with Eric while you're standing there. It doesn't make any sense. Just yeah. shoot her again. Get her out of the way. Don't let her come close to Eric. And, you know, and Willow should have done the same thing, too, knowing he had the staff, knowing he had the... The crystal there that could get uh, Kit to talk to Eric. You stop Eric Which, getting. Let me put him up in the air for a moment while you destroy the what's left of of the crow. Also, I'm really glad you like when he whipped out that when he broke the thing and then yeah. give him this. The fuck does that even like? Like <laughs> at some point, at yeah, some point, like you, you, when you get to the end of your series and you go, yeah. there's going to be this moment where Willow sacrifices his staff and says, "Give him this." then you have to have a moment in episode two, four, yeah. five, where he goes, nobody touched this stone. It is this rare stone that channels magical energy. I need it to do what I do. It's mine. I'll never give it up. Yeah. And then he goes, use this to get rid of the magic. But then you won't have your magical staff anymore, Willow. He's like, this is more important. Oh, well, that's a great moment. But like when you do it with no context, you're like, yeah. cool, that's a green stone. How do we fix this moment? <laughs> the green stone. Let's make the green stone able to talk to. No. Yeah, you got, you've got to. There's just a little bit more of the through lines and the cohesiveness well, of it that should have been stressed. I get that you've got to get to a season two. There's a more, there's a better, more creative way to get the season two that would have been resonant for people watching it overall. Look, I know there are people who love it. I've seen people tweet it. Some of my fellow critics tweeting about how much they love it. Jermaine Lucier's reviews have been nothing but glowing. I get it. But there's legitimate criticisms here in how they're constructing these storylines. And it's a little frustrating to see that because well, I agree. With, I want positive stuff going on to balance out some of the more darker stuff going on. I'm all for it. But construct the positive as well as they're constructing some of the dark stuff then you'll have the actually balance in people appreciating these kinds of uh, projects and these uh, these film and these TV shows and these films. And even uh, to Shannon's point, I mean, that moment with Borman where he gives Kit the Kuros and he's like, this isn't yeah. my story. This isn't my story. It is a little bit wonky, but also I loved I loved the line, but right. I, loved, I loved what it should have represented, which is right. he should have been a character that throughout the entire show thought he was going to be the big hero. He's Mad Mardigan. Right. I'm I'm going to be the new Mad Mardigan. I'm the one who's going to save the day. I'm the one who's going to protect everybody. And then go at the end and be like, you know what? I'm not Mad Mardigan. Yeah. You're Mad Mardigan. Like, you are. Like, you, Kit, are the hero here. Like, it's like, and like, again, like, then you would then you would be robbed of all, like, the amazing comedy that we got from him. So, like, you, you that's where you go, okay, well, then what do we want to do? Because we do, he is really funny. We want him to be this comic character, but... You know, but like you go through and you're like, had you built up this story 
Uh, and then, then those like the moment with he and Willow before they jumped over the waterfall where he's like, I know you're not fooling anybody. You're actually this loyal hero. But then he's like, I am a loyal hero, but I'm not like, again, it was just, there's so many good ideas rolling around in here. So yeah. I do understand. I mean, to your point, what you just said, which I think was really smart. Um, I do get that there was this really, yes, I know. I, occasionally, um, uh, there, there, there is just this real positivity to this show, mm. and in a world where you know we've got we've got the incest, torture, and murder of Game of Thrones going on, which we all love, yeah. and Rings of Power is basically all about Sauron tricking everybody. I mean, that's that's where that's going to end. And even though I like Last Jedi, you know, I mean, the whole new trilogy is basically about. Han and Leia giving birth to the next Darth Vader and Luke yeah. running for the hills and being like, fuck all y'all. So, you know, like there's there's a lot of like this Willow just being this very positive, fun, adorable show where everyone is sort of quipping along on their journey and having a lot of fun doing it. Like there's th that that energy is the right energy for what we do kind of want and crave in fantasy right now. Like that that is true. Um, and so I understand why people are enjoying the ride and enjoying watching it. And I just, if it does get a season two, I hope, I hope they just take a few beats to think these, these things through a little bit more. Yeah. And, well, I, and also, yeah, go ahead, oh, sorry, go ahead. Joe. No, no, please go ahead. Jenny. Well, no, I was going to say to John's point about the fact that, you know, it, there are people online that are really enjoying it. This is why art is a subjective yeah. medium. Yeah. Um, you know, film, television, books, painting, sculpture. Look, if 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 a, if a uh, uh, if a piece of art's perceived imperfections by one person, like if they if it doesn't take you out of the story, it's not an issue for you. Like if right. you can if you can watch it with all of all of the you know uh, warts and moles and enjoy it, fantastic. There are certainly you know I, I think the three of us have different films, different franchises, different shows that we know are not perfect. Right. But ultimately, the the bumps in the storytelling don't take us out of it. It doesn't eclipse right. our love for the franchise. Yeah. So, you know, if, if there are folks that are and, and I think this is something that kind of comes with age, because when you're younger and someone doesn't like what you like, you're like, what's wrong with you? Um, you know, <laughs> as, as you get older, you kind of like, hey, like what you like. Yeah, I might I, I might join you, but maybe let's not have a discussion afterwards if you don't like what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So it like I, I, I love the fact when when a property finds a fan base, especially something that, you know, has been that hasn't been around since the 80s. So if, if Willow is finding a new audience, if the, the majority of the audience is enjoying it in a way that we aren't necessarily, if it gets a season two, fantastic. I hope it gets a season three because, because of my uh, initial, you know, uh, emotional reaction to the property. When I was a kid, even though I didn't enjoy season one, I'll watch season two. I'll keep oh, sure. going back until, until, you. until I'm done. Um, so, you know, I, again, I think that's just more a conversation of like our fan base and like, yeah. We, we hope people come here to be positive because even though we don't enjoy something, we will try to find, we will try to point out the positive aspects of it. Yeah. And I think we do, a, uh, I, I believe we do a good job of actually giving you reasons, logical reasons for why we feel the way we do. Yeah. We take little shots or we take cracks, but we give you logical reasons. And of course, these two gentlemen who work consistently in the medium of TV and the medium of animation, the medium of just overall in the medium of film and TV, writing things out, understanding how to construct a storyline, overarching storylines, 
I think it's essential in the analysis, which is why I always learn so much when I uh, am part of a review with you two. So it's it's always a fun situation to I mean, kind of explore this an educational uh, one as well. Yeah, I'd rather watch Willow than Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'll tell you that right now. And for some of the audience, the gloves are coming off. Why? <laughs> and another part of this is is what you you mentioned, Shannon, because there are people who didn't like Andor. There are a lot of Star Wars fans who didn't like Andor, yet we loved it. So you're right. It's very subjective. I will say this. If we're going to go into a season two, I get it. I get it. I get it that the imbalance between male and female characters has gone on for decades. I get it. But overcorrecting where all the male storylines are happenstance and, and a jumble of nonsense it doesn't quite make sense or you don't flesh them out enough only does a disservice to your overall well, product even though you do a great job of laying out the groundwork for kid or laying out the groundwork for laura or lay, even laying out the groundwork for jade giving her family giving her sister a situation she's gonna have to confront that in season two but but fumbling the ball on Graydon, fumbling the ball on widow fumbling the ball on borman a little bit I think only undercuts your project instead of making it this empowering thing. It actually undercuts the empowerment overall, in my opinion. So flesh everything out. Give everything the right amount of time and attention it deserves. And those empowerment moments will work even better when they happen, in my opinion. So it's just frustrating watching these storylines get fumbled. But I get why the imbalance, but just I well, say but do to be fair, I don't know that it's an imbalance as much as everyone's storylines are fumbled. Like, I think that, yeah. I think that Kit gets I think more like, time was spent on those three female storylines than the other male storylines. I don't I know. I mean, I would, like we could, we would have to go back and watch all eight episodes, but I will just say no, that I no. think, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, look, I think that you get to the eighth episode and Alora Dannon and Kit are kind of the lead stories. And I think that they both get these moments that feel like they stuck the landing more than others because Kit puts on that Chimerian cuirass and you're like, that's awesome. And Alora Dannon faces off against the crone and is doing all her lightning magic. And you're like, that looks yeah. really cool. But the truth is their stories were fumbled as much as anybody's like Kit's Kit's kind of clumsy journey to get where she wanted to get. And like, we talked about it last week, like Wait, but her, and Alora kind of, her and Alora kind of having a resolution and then not having a resolution and then uh -huh. being mad at each other. And Alora Dannon sort of not being able to do magic, but then doing amazing magic at Nokmar, but then not doing magic again is very the same as, look, Graydon has a wealth of backstory. He killed his brother. He, you know, dab like there was a magical thing that happened to him. His dad was like pressuring him to do stuff. He's in love with Alora Dannon, but is okay to let her go. Borman has an entire backstory that he was Mad Mardigan's squire and him and Alagash had some shit go down and he thought the Chimerian Kuras was going to be his and he wanted to wear it and he's in love with the lady who was the leader of the Bone Reavers. And, you know, like, like, and Willow is like, I was a great, everyone thinks I'm a great sorcerer, but I can't really do magic except I can do magic, but I don't know if I can do magic, but I really miss my daughter. So like, there's, all of them have a wealth of story, oh, guy no. and girl. Right, but I, I disagree with you that it's as much as. I think the other, the female storylines were laid out much more cohesively and much more with much and fleshed out much more than the male storylines. That's what I'm looking at it. That's what I felt. I wouldn't say as much as. you. I agree with you that they're all fumbled, but I would say that the male storylines were fumbled much more than the female storylines. And, and I would make an exception a little bit for Jade because I think Jade got kind of pushed to the background after the whole situation with her sister. And yeah. that's a very strong female character that you 
that should have had some kind of resolution herself by the end as well and didn't get a resolution other than just a fight. That's it. And there should have been much more there uh, with her relationship with Kit, whatever, in the final episode as well. So, yeah. Anyway, all right, let's uh, wrap it up there. We've talked enough about it. Uh, I think um, any final words, uh, gentlemen, or have we said them all and shall we wrap up? Uh, I, I was just going to say, and I've said it before, but uh, and I know this will get me in trouble with some people, but again, we got to the end of this, and it does very much remind me of how I felt with the Star Wars prequels at Once Upon a Time. And I think that what I would say in the positive of this show is I think they have set up a world, a mythology, and characters for the Willow universe that other people could pick up this ball and run with it mm. and really tell some amazing stories. Like, I'm I'm invested in Tirasleen being behind this magical barrier and the forces of the worm rising up and Alora Dannon is going to be the one that's the linchpin to this and the bone reavers and like their relationship to Tiraz. Like there is literally just tons of great material here and interesting characters and interesting dynamics. And somebody could run with this. And like I said, do what Dave Filoni did with Clone Wars and just make the Willow universe just this epic mm. fantasy world, it, it it's possible. And so I do hope, you know, to what we're talking about season two and beyond and everything, like depending on how it's received, how many views it gets, maybe it doesn't get a season two, maybe it does and it keeps going, but like there's there's gold in them, Nar Hills, and I hope somebody gets to mine it one day. <laughs> well said to Shannon. Any final words? Uh, I would say uh, some of the gold that they didn't have to mine, it was right there that they did, but they didn't use it, was the theme from the movie. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you use that music? It's so nice, and it would have been so perfectly applied to our new heroes. Um, yeah, I mean, look, th- this is this is not one of my uh, favorite series, um, but I won't lie, I'm, I'm thinking about going back and watching that moment before Tony Revolori gets iced because I think that's a great, that's a great moment. And also I'm just a fan of his. I mean, yeah. there are so many nice, there are so many nice moments that will I watch the series from beginning to end again? No. Will I maybe pull it up and watch some individual moments? Highly likely. <laughs> uh, do I think it'll get a se- second season? My gut is saying no, but if it does, I'll be there streaming on day one. There you go. Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy's on a phone somewhere being like, you want to know what happens to Grogu in season four? You give Willow a season two, buddy. (laughs) Oh, no. She's got Grogu with a lightsaber up to his head. (laughs) (laughs) Grogu's just sipping the tea. Um, All right. Thank you all so much. I don't have any final words. Uh, You know, work work hard on these storylines. Flesh them out a bit more. Uh, but I will say overall, this wasn't an unenjoyable experience. There were a lot of fun moments to uh, explore and enjoy. And it was a nice change of pace on the fantasy side of things. I just wanted to be better. And that's where my uh, criticism or my eyes go f- uh, from is wanting it to be better. And hopefully in the season two, some of that gets cleaned up and that does happen in shows. So we shall see for sure for season two. All right. Thank you all so much for watching or listening to this spoiler review of the final episode of Willow Season 1. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, whether you liked Willow, didn't like Willow, loved it, hated it, want more of it, don't want to see it again, uh, we love all opinions here. Uh, and we just love talking about geek stuff. I mean, I think that even when even when we don't love something, I actually really thoroughly enjoy our conversations. Like, I think sometimes talking about stuff that didn't work is in some ways more fun than talking about stuff that did. So if you enjoyed this conversation, and we hope you did, here is what you can do to help us out. Uh, definitely smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got. Leave your comments below. Agree with us. Disagree with us. Tell us we're fucking crazy. Like, leave yeah. the comments. We love to hear what you guys think. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and take a moment to leave us some comments and some stars there. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And a big shout out, of course, to CarbonHealth.com, who powers and sponsors the Geek Buddies. Head on over to the CarbonHealth.com. Go get checked out today if you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. They're virtual, they have virtual care and in-person care. Or download the app to have a doc in your pocket for any of those situations that pop up in your life. For example, you know, fighting a crone or something, the after effects of all of that, or getting possessed by a crone. You'll have to clean those scars off your face. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode or episode here from the Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.